Pickaxe. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are a video game radio show, the longest running one in the world. And my name is Steve Curran. Hello, I am Simon Byron. How are How you? How are you, Simon? I got, I got there first. <laughs> you, you, you answer me, Steve Curran. Uh, I'm fine. I am absolutely fine. I have nothing interesting to report, unfortunately, <laughs> which is why Whoa. I was so I was I was hoping to get you to answer that first. Maybe riff off what you said, but <laughs> left high and dry. How are you? Well, let's give that a go, Steve. Shall we <laughs> get ready to riff? Um, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, listen. This is um this is unusual for us, isn't it? This is a bank holiday bank holiday show. Mm-hmm. Back in the olden times, when we were allowed out of our sheds, uh, we'd get the week off. That's true. Not this week. Now, we're doing extra hours for resonance. Yeah, I was reflecting, actually, on the um, on the fact that there was slowly... Well, it looks like we're slowly easing out of lockdown, and maybe that means, ideally, hopefully, fingers crossed in... You know, a few months, we might be back at the Resonance FM studio, and that'll be really, really exciting. Don't know if that's going to happen yet, but maybe uh, we haven't got you know any news about that to share. But I was thinking, I was thinking about how uh, the start of every show pretty much is us going, "What have you been doing this week?" Can't remember, no idea, and everyone understands that, right? Because then we get to go because it's lockdown, and every day is the same, and time has no meaning, and then. <laughs> And I was remembering that's exactly how it was before as well, wasn't it? When we were in the studio. <laughs> so we just won't have an yes. excuse anymore. Mm. Well, well, you know, it's been, a, it's been a fairly pleasant week, doesn't it? It feels like, you know, spring is well and truly here. Yep, that's right. Um, you know, I don't want to give uh, you or our listeners too much of an insight into uh, what goes on at the Byron household, but I did uh, drag the hot tub out of storage <laughs> this week. <laughs> did you? 
I did. I did. Uh, optimistically, it turns out. Um, I've spent the last two days trying to track down uh, punctures um, because every time I, I inflate it, I sort of stand around for a bit. And I go, is it going down? Is it going down? I go, no, I walk away. I come back 10 minutes later and it's a very sad looking hot tub. Um, but uh, yeah, I found three so far. Okay, and I'm hoping good. that's it now. I found my... Sorry, that's well, how it would work in a video game, right? Like, there would be three punctures. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> so, yeah, I found the third maybe about an hour ago. So when I emerged from the shed and walked back to the house past the hot tub, let's hope it's not looking sad. You'll have to come round one day, Steve, for the hot tub. Uh, what's the dress code? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I heard full, the other day? Full bathing suit, Steve. We're not that sort of couple. Of course, of it's not that sort of household. We bought it because, uh, well, obviously it's fun to have. But, um, you know, when our daughter was born, we thought it would be a good way of sort of getting her in the water, getting her familiar with the water and going with for, bubbles. Um, going for a hot tub birth, were you? No, 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 no. This was uh, <laughs> this was this was several several months after she'd emerged. Thank you. Um, here's what I heard talking of the rule of three. Uh, heard mm-hmm. a rumor. Um, heard a rumor that Scants, One Life Left mm-hmm. presenter Scants, who you know, I'm sure she will return as soon as we're back in the studio. Uh, she's built a fire pit in her back garden. Wow! What for? Well, fire, I assume. And burning things, <laughs> the evidence. No, yeah. I know what she's been up to during lockdown. But if she's got a fire pit, you've got a hot tub. Where does that leave me? Whoa! Well, it's got to be wind, isn't it? Or ice, skating rink. Or ice. Okay, fair. Do you have the space in London for a skating Definitely rink? Definitely not. My yard's about. I would. I would guess my yard is about four meters by one and a half meters, something like that. So, if any of our listeners have any idea what I should build in there to complete the trilogy of One Life Left Backyard Paraphernalia, let us know. Uh, email team at onelifeleft.com. Is it time for the news? Let's do it. I've done a bit of research this week. I've got a few stories, but do you have any ready to go right now? I do, Steve Curran. I do. From Eurogamer, written by Wesley Yin Paul uh, earlier today. A confidential Microsoft document released ahead, ahead of Epic's high-profile lawsuit with Apple has revealed the company's plan to slash its cut on Xbox games. A document dated January 2021 and titled... Microsoft Store Polys and App Store Principles contains a slide that says all games will move to 8812 in CY21. This slide appears under the Microsoft Store on Xbox subsection, so we know it applies to Xbox games. The document suggests Microsoft intends to move to an 8012 revenue share for games sold on the Xbox consoles during the first half of 2021, so by the end of June. Currently, Microsoft takes a 30% cut of sales in line with Sony and Nintendo's policy. Now, uh, what's interesting about this, Steve, is that uh, Eurogamer links. So where it says a document, there's a hyperlink there. Bloomberg. You click on it. Well, no. (laughs) 
it goes to storage.courtlistener.com forward slash recap forward slash gov dot us courts and then there's a lot of, uh, and ends with pdf and uh you click on it and you get a you get a legal document that says this exhibit a redacted version of documents sought to be sealed and at the bottom uh, it says highly confidential attorney's eyes only <laughs> it actually says that i'm looking at it now Wow. And so the, uh, yeah, Exhibit A, uh, what I'm looking at, ask, ask me questions. Microsoft Store Polys and App Store Principles. And then underneath, helpfully on the PDF, it says picture is non-editable. Uh, scroll down. Um, yeah, and sure enough, there's loads of stuff there. And there's also bits that are redacted. So the interesting thing about this document is that, so obviously it's it's, it's leaking, presuming, presuming that it's real, presuming that it's accurate. It is leaking this this policy change. Um and it doesn't make any qualms about that at all, Steve. Whereas on page uh, page three, um, that slide says uh, the head the heading is policies for the Microsoft stores, and underneath there's a big black line that says redacted. So there's other there's other bits. There's more to find. How do we unredact stuff? Well, famously, uh, some redactions on the internet have been quite bad, haven't they? And you can just highlight it, Control C, and then move into a notepad, control V. Sometimes that works. Well, it doesn't here. On page uh, seven, uh, store policy session overview, uh, it's got uh, th- three sections. Session purpose. And I'll read what I can. It says provide an overview. And then the redacted line starts, it's, it's on actually on the line below, but it, but it starts to go over this. But I can mm. tell you what, I can read okay. over it. Provide an overview of both Microsoft Store standard fees and revenue share and policy exceptions provided to and this bit's redacted <laughs> partners ranked by gross sales redacted what really? don't they want us to know have you tried squinting at it like when things are pink, pixelated on tv I, I, sc- I squint when i read anyway uh, the, the store policy exception summary is just a massive slide of redacted um although with some headings current exceptions overview Redacted, 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 redacted. What does it say? No idea. Um, well, so this is all part of the ongoing battle uh, for the future of PC game sales, isn't it? Now, Steam own about 75% of that market and uh, they split everything 70, 30, or rather the dev gets 70%, uh, Steam get 30%. Actually, that's not strictly true, is it? If you sell over 10 million, I think that number starts to drop to, does start to 25, drop. Uh, 75, um, and then a little bit further. And then the, a little bit further, I think it's uh, 50 million. 50 million, and then it's 80, 20. Is that right? Something like that. Something um, like that. Now... Epic have been fighting against Steam for a while, trying to uh, tempt people over onto the Epic Store with lots and lots of free games, and that continues. We've talked about that on the show before. It's why Epic, uh, well, they, 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 did they lose a lot of money because of that last year? I think it was they did, 500 yeah. million or we, something ridiculous. We covered it extensively, Steve. We did talk about it. I'm not sure that counts as coverage. <laughs> we certainly talked about it, read something out. Um, and now Microsoft, now they've said on the PC store on their their uh, windows store they're dropping their percentage aren't they and this is all about how how the xbox store well uh, i read that Eurogamer story as well and their sort of rider was because didn't microsoft respond to this this leak 
I don't know. I've not seen that. So I think it says in the story uh, that they, that Microsoft respondents said they had no plans to change oh. the structure. For I did the... see that. Steve, apologies. <laughs> And you've heard it now as well. Um, they exactly. said, they, <laughs> and now I can, if only I could smell it. <laughs> uh, they've, so Microsoft said they've no cha- no no plans to change this. Um, and Eurogame sort of added to their story. Well, maybe they've changed their minds. What do you think? Well, I don't see why they would. So the reason um, that uh, there's competition in the pc space is because there's exactly that consumers in theory have a choice of ways to buy their pc games from you know cds and dvds through to digital downloads and codes etc and where there's competition often that creates um price war um and you know actually what epic is competing for is content so they want the content they want people to make their games and then when they sell them for £10, they want they, they, that uh, content creator, the publisher, the developer to get more of that £10. Um, now, as far as I can see, there's no competition on Xbox to, for your digital games. Where else do you buy your digital downloads on Xbox? Hmm. Well, you've got loads of Russian relatives, haven't you? They, they're struggling with Xbox, actually. Are they? <laughs> Well, they haven't tried. Um, well, but yeah, uh, that's because I don't. Yeah, I haven't got a Russian gamer tag, have I, Steve? Don't try and get that out of me. Um, but yeah, obviously there are uh, there are differences in prices globally anyway, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm certain that's the case with the Xbox Store. I'm not sure how easy it is to change regions. Actually, maybe I'll I will call my Russian friends and find out. But um, but but still, you know, I mean, it, and 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 that's the same on Steam and Epic anyway. So. Um, but outside of the Xbox store, it's impossible to buy Xbox games digitally. So, um, you know, beyond redeeming codes, which redeem on the Xbox store. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it, yeah, it would be a bold move, certainly, if they did. But um, that's, you know, whereas, and I'm going to talk in very, very broad terms here. Whereas if you've got a finished PC game, it's reasonably straightforward to put it on Steam or Epic. It's not it's not completely straightforward. Um but it you know it's 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 reasonably straightforward. This um this shift in uh revenue split is unlikely to stop people putting games on other formats. Um and given that uh you there's not a lot more that you can do uh if let's say that you've published a PlayStation and an Xbox game you'd be getting more money from the Xbox version there's you know that's that's almost out of your out of your own hands um you know who who buys what uh so yeah you know how publishers are then unlikely to say hey this game's available on Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox. But please buy the Xbox version because we get more money for it. But the flip side then would be: would they? Would the SRP be cheaper? And again, I think that's unlikely. So yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what would happen if they did. Uh, but uh, as for them having a reason to do it, I just I, I can't see it unless it's just out of the kindness of their hearts, Steve. Who knows. I've got another story, um, and it's also from Eurogamer, um, and also by Wesley Yinpool, Eurogamer's editor. Um, the Skyrim grandma is now a Skyrim follower, uh, thanks to a mod. 
this feels like one of those um, those headlines that you could talk to someone in the street and say, do you understand how many of those words do you understand? <laughs> so, Simon, do you know what that's about? Have you read this story? No. In fact, I've just had to open it up to refresh me. Okay. Uh, because I... Shirley Curry, better known as Skyrim Grandma. Okay. So, the Skyrim Grandma is a popular fan figure in the Skyrim community. Uh, a streamer um, who, uh, you know, uh, refers to herself as as the mother, uh, sorry, the grandmother of all of her viewers, the grandma of all of her viewers. And um, she's much loved in the community. Uh, also in the headline, a Skyrim follower, that's an NPC who helps you out on your missions in Skyrim, as I'm sure you'll be familiar with, Simon. And a mod, that's a modification to a video game. <laughs> generally uh fan created and skyrim has a huge mod community so this is a nice thing right they've put a streamer in the video game um they'll love now that is you know obviously we have quite high standards on one life left for news stories and even though this was Eurogamer's second headline that might not be enough to to make it into the one life left news story uh but the reason i picked this up because i thought it was quite interesting i'd missed this part of the news story um, so this is a fan-created mod for Skyrim, um, but it says here, back on 1st of April 2019, we reported that Bethesda had said um, they were going to put Shirley in the next uh, Elder Scrolls game, in um, the Elder Scrolls 6 as an NPC. Um, but, you know, obviously she was quite heartwarmed by this, uh, but she responded uh, after Pete Hines' um uh, who is what? Pete, what his position is? Pete Hines is uh, uh, Bethesda. Do you know? He's Mister Bethesda, isn't he? He's Mister Bethesda. I don't know what his official title is, uh, but he said it wouldn't be out for a number of years. Um, and um, you know, uh, Shirley responded um, she'd be eighty-eight by the time of the game's release, and predicted she probably wouldn't get to play it, which is kind of oh. bleak. That is bleak. So, so um, at that point, fans set up a petition to immortalise her within the game, and um, sure enough, Bethesda are going to put her in the next Elder Scrolls game. Uh, and then the fans, taking on this uh, sort of project to uh, produce a uh, a uh, helper version of her in Skyrim. So it's a feel-good story. Uh, now, feel-good stories would be typically the way Anne would take us out of the news, the fifth story. Uh, but this was second on Eurogamer, so sort of mm. threw me. That's why it's second in our, our lineup as well. Ba, 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 ba. I have just clicked away from the story that I was going to do to look at a grandma on the internet. So <laughs> here we go. Let's click back. Uh, again, by Wesley and Paul. Yesterday, the long-running official PlayStation magazine has become Play Magazine, marking the end of official video games magazines. OPM, which has been going for 25 years, was the last officially licensed console magazine in the UK after official Nintendo magazine closed in October 2014 and official Xbox magazine closed in March 2020. In an FAQ, Future Publishing said, all good things come to an end. And along with Sony, we felt that the official PlayStation magazine had finally earned a well-deserved retirement. However, we still love PlayStation and magazines and we know you do. So Play Magazine came to life. How'd you feel about that, Steve? Oh, wow. Um, when I was at 
Edge. I'm going to start at Edge in, I think, 2000. Um, official PlayStation was, I guess, not quite at the peak of its powers, but it was still the dominant force inside future publishing, uh, a sort of revenue driver. And in terms of the number of readers, I think at its peak it had half a million, something It did. Like it was that. the biggest selling um, lifestyle magazine in the country at its peak. Mm. Um but of course, that industry has changed dramatically, hasn't it, uh, since then? Um, and yeah, uh, I don't know anybody who reads any magazines anymore at all. Uh, do you? I bought a, I bought an Amiga magazine during lockdown, uh, which I flicked <laughs> through. It's difficult to. Uh, I think it'd be difficult to say that I've read it, um, but no, I don't. And and yeah, I, I I picked this story because the reaction to it was interesting on Twitter. Like a lot of, I follow a lot of journalists, ex-journalists, and a lot of them recalled fond times of um, working at Future or at EMAP or at Dennis or wherever, where uh, they were working either on the, the official magazines or alongside them. And they were talking about, you know, these uh, these flaws of multiple magazines, all you know, typically young, typically young men, um, you know, and a, a real sense of excitement and camaraderie and all of that sort of stuff. And they were lamenting the loss of the official magazine. Now, I, I joined EMAP just as they were launching the official Nintendo magazine, which was the first ever official magazine. And, and once... Um, once that was launched, there was this uh, scramble, I think, uh, to become the officially licensed partner. And back then on um, Nintendo, it didn't really come with any particular benefits because, you know, whilst it was official, uh, the hardware manufacturers didn't have any input into the editorial, I don't think. Uh, certainly not within my knowledge. Um but the official, but I think there was this unwritten agreement that they would get the news first, uh, and so you know often they had exclusives that others were chasing. I think next was uh, Me Machine Sega. Was that an official magazine? Anyway, but it was. I think the first, the first magazine which demonstrated the real power of being an official partner was Official PlayStation Magazine, and that was simply because. They were able to cover mount a demo disc every month. And this was before the internet. And so the only way to get a taster of uh, PlayStation games uh, was to buy that magazine. And that's, and that's arguably what uh, powered its success because it was, it, you know, it was expensive. It was like a fiver at the mm. time. And I think actually probably its last issue was significantly more than that. Um, yeah, actually, there's an image of the front cover of the first issue there, £4.99. Um and so, yeah, and but anecdotally, when they talked about PlayStation, when did PlayStation go online, or the PlayStation Store go online? Is that two or three? Three. Anyway, three. So when they talked, uh, I think when Sony was unearthing um, PlayStation Three to the trade partners, and there were a load of assembled journalists there. Uh, and publishers and developers, etc., etc., etc. They talked about how all the consoles would be connected, and that you could download demos directly. And um, apparently, the future publishing execs just sort of you, you could see the colour <laughs> drain from their faces. Uh, and uh, yeah, because the one reason to buy the official PlayStation magazine uh, was suddenly removed. 
So I, I'm, I'm I'm surprised that this relationship has gone on for so long. Typically, the hardware manufacturer will have got a licensing fee for each magazine. So, you know, it was costing future m- money, um, I would have thought. I'm going to, I, I, so I'm going to add, I, I would have thought, because I don't know, but... Um, uh, I suspect that it that it would have done, um, and so yeah, I'm surprised that it's that it has actually lasted this long. I uh, definitely made some money out of official PlayStation um, because I definitely freelanced for it back in the day. They were the next office along. Actually, I think right next to us was Arcade Magazine. Yeah, um, and then that didn't last very long. And then next to them was official. <laughs> Uh, so they were very, very close by, which, not to mention names, but if you were, uh, if you were Edge Magazine, and you were, <laughs> if you were, if you were hypothetically Edge Magazine, uh, and you were trying to hunt down stories, and the, you know, the official PlayStation magazine was one office along, or you know next but one office along and you knew which desk in the official magazine the editor used which you would because (laughs) socially it'd be rude not to go and say hi from time to time and you were aware what time they all knocked off at you happened to be in the office late at night couldn't help it and you might want to go and I don't know. Drop a note off. Leave it on <laughs> the editor's desk. Just happen to see what was on the editor's desk. Might be useful to you. It might be useful to you. It might be. It might be useful to you. Um, yeah. Uh, so all of the magazines were very close knit at Future, uh, except for Edge because they all hated us all the time. So. <laughs> So, we used uh, to, uh, yeah. Well, our, our our rivalry was with CU um, CU Amiga, uh, who um, at the time their editor Dan Slingsby, he was on the floor above us, and we knew that actually he was he loved dropping notes off Steve uh, when he? we weren't around, and we, and we knew that Dan Slingsby knew that <laughs> uh, liked to drop notes off, and so we were on the one. Um, and what we would do is just to annoy Dan Slingsby. Um, so we would uh, we would print out the magazine flat plan, which is um, effectively like a top-down view of all the pages in the magazine. It shows you where the adverts are going to go and where the various sections are going to go. We'd have a special one for Dan Slingsby, which would come out at night. <laughs> and uh, we'd, we'd, we'd tape it to, uh, to uh, David, David Upchurch's desk. And it would just say, like at the opening of the, um, of the news section, it would just say, global exclusive or <laughs> stuff like this <laughs> and we put it over four pages to make it look big um yeah and uh, you know I, uh, it wasn't every month without fail that, that at some point he would go ask us what our exclusives were but it was almost every month um yeah great source of amusement that was I, like we are far off topic now but we are also one life left um my first week working for video game magazines uh, arrived at the edge office and um, they didn't have a seat for me. They hadn't got a desk. That's for classic, me. Ed, classic, classic edge, edge, isn't it? Classic you had to edge. go and buy buy a left-handed screwdriver, didn't you? <laughs> Stripey paint. Well, actually, they they sort of stationed me around the corner, opposite this makeshift uh, office, very very sealed 
office that had been put up to have all of the secrets for the official Xbox magazine, Ooh. which was launching, you know. And the Xbox had barely been announced at that point. Uh, but I was sat literally opposite the door watching. So when the door came open, I could see inside it, I could see the shiny silver Look. prototype. Look at that. That in goes blinks, you'd say. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, naively, I actually believed that story up until this point. But now I'm reflecting on it, thinking there was definitely a seat for me. They just wanted me stationed outside the uh, the secret Xbox thing. Um, Wasn't any good to them, though. Uh, Right. uh, Do we have another story? Do you have another new story? I do. I was going to just wrap up with this cheery story again from uh, Wesley. Thanks for all your hard work this week, yeah, Wesley. That's <laughs> much appreciated. Uh, Activision Blizzard boss Bobby Kotick has accepted a 50% pay cut to his base salary, but could still earn millions of dollars in bonuses. A recent investor filing revealed Kotick has extended his employment agreement to 31st of March 2023, but with a significant base salary cut. Kotick was earning $1.75 million a year from his base salary. He will now earn $875,000 a year. He's also reached agreement to reduce his target annual bonus by 50%, which is a potential reduction of $1.75 million. However, under the new agreement, Cody can still earn an annual bonus of up to 200% of his base salary. That's a potential $1.75 million on top of the $875,000 a year. That's a lot of money, Steve, isn't it? Um, the question is, how do we marry Bobby Kotick? <laughs> Yeah, I, I also think these numbers are, I mean, meaningless to a point. I would assume that, like... They won't be when I'm married to him. <laughs> <laughs> He'll make you sign a prenup, Simon. He's, he's How are you getting on with your bonus targets, Bobby, darling, I'll be saying, from the hot tub? <laughs> so, um, I don't know anything about this, but I would guess knowing nothing about it that he also has share options and that kind of thing which I literally know nothing about um, at all but in my I'm going to find out for you Steve yeah thank you Uh, (laughs) you know with all those caveats it seems to me that generally the salaries of people that senior in big companies are meaningless next to the ridiculously high numbers they uh, generally clock up uh, by executing share options. Um, so, yeah, I, it doesn't matter, does it? Do you Pro- think I'd have to start playing Call of Duty in order to seduce Bobby Kotick? Do you think he plays Call of Duty? Well, that's 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 what I was implying. I wonder if we could both giggle at the fact that neither of us did. <laughs> in the hot tub. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> or around the fire pit, or on the ice rink. It could be any of us, really. Any so, of us. Um, I actually do have one final story. It's a story that we okay. missed last week, and that uh, you pointed out on the Discord. Mm. Assassin's Creed Mr. Men and Little Miss Books Revealed. <laughs> Ubisoft has announced, this is according to Tom Phillips on Eurogamer, written on the 22nd of April, Ubisoft has announced a series of Mr. Men and Little Miss books for its biggest Assassin's Creed stars. Six books will be released, with the first three being Mr. Ezio, Little Miss Cassandra, and Little Miss Ivor. 
Um, they are, while these at first might seem like parody novels, the series is being worked on by Adam Hargreaves, the son of original creator Roger Hargreaves, and the current writer and custodian of new Mr. Men and Little Miss books. What's going on here, Simon? I mean, this is the, sh- the closest I've come to swearing on the show in its, <laughs> in its ex- extended history. It's ridiculous. I, I, if this story had come out on April the 1st, mm, I know. I, we would have we we gone, ha, 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 that's good, actually. We'd have gone, good April Fool's. But it didn't, did it? Because it's actually happening. I don't understand it. Are you... Are you- were you going to swear because you know it's nonsense, or because you are a Mister Man purist and you don't, you know, you're angry that they're ruining the canon by uh, by forcing these licensed characters in there? Uh, the former, very mm. much, is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, my comment on the Discord was that we should call send for Red Eye. What would he <laughs> think about this? Uh. <laughs> Red Eye wouldn't be available he'd be in an official PlayStation's office <laughs> dropping off notes <laughs> uh, yeah I, I don't get it either I don't even know whether Mr because I've not done in the in the two weeks we've had to digest this I haven't done the research and found out whether this is a typical thing for the Mr Man universe but it seems exactly. like a, do they need to do it do they need to do it uh, is, you know is that a time so hard for the Mr Men and Little Misses that they're all sat around I don't know outside stations drinking from brown paper bags going what, sh- what shall we be next <laughs> What will make us relevant? And then they end up with Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Well, don't you worry a little bit for, you know, Mr. Tickle and Mr. Strong and <laughs> exactly. Mr. Sleazy. Suddenly, they have this nice little universe and then this, these new lads arrive, lads and, and little misses, and they're like, so uh, what do you do? Well, I kill people. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Well, good luck to them. By them, I mean... No, luck. bad luck. <laughs> Bad luck. No, I mean good luck to the you know the established members of the Mister Man and Miss Little Miss Universe. Oh, right. Literally, good luck to them. Yeah, we hope you win. <laughs> we hope you win. All right, is that it, Simon? That's it. One life left. Video game news with Anne Scantleberry.
we are back. This is One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are also a podcast. You can download the podcast at www.onelifeleft.com. Uh, on there, you'll you'll be able to read the show notes, which will give you a nice little synopsis of what we're talking about on the show this week. And also, you'll be able to find out the tracks, uh, the track titles of the music that we have been playing, that we're possibly playing right now. You can also find a link to our Discord. It's going well, the Discord, isn't it? It is. We've got, I think, 55, 56 verified listeners in there at the moment. And we've also been audited again this week by uh, by Dexter Barron, your son. <laughs> Honestly, oh, look, obviously I'm biased, but I, I think this is possibly the most interaction that i've had with him online <laughs> <laughs> like so i'm seeing a different you know because i'll be like typically i'll speak to him or he's over i don't see what he's like on the internet you know uh and actually you know i think i think i mean like i say totally biased of course but i think he's pretty funny mm. uh and he's been pretty smart do you find him annoying steve that's what i was wondering not at all he's been super no. super helpful he's, <laughs> he's genuinely given us um some advice that's well phil our under caretaker made over the discord after listening to dexter dexter's advice and completely revamped it and that's really really helped us brought lots of people on board you know there's generally people chatting about the show and about video games and just you know it's a nice little community started there and dexter's been offering further advice there yeah even offered uh, in photoshop offered to Offered to produce us some uh, little uh, emoji emotes for the Discord. <laughs> I said, Dexter, you can't, you can't be poacher and gamekeeper. We have to keep you at arm's length. You have to be able to audit successfully yeah. at a distance. Uh, also, I've no idea if his copy of Photoshop's legit. I was, you know. <laughs> but he's a. Uh, but yeah, that's good. It's really, really good. So thank you, Dexter. Um, yeah, I'm enormously proud. I know you don't listen he because he, exactly. yeah, he, <laughs> he didn't get the, the in-joke about your uh, Russian relatives. I said you've got right. about 450 episodes to catch up on. <laughs> didn't get the in-joke. But that's good. It's, that. it's, good to, uh, it's good to welcome uh, listeners, hear where they've joined from, how long they've been listening for. Some of them have been a very long time, haven't they? They have. And there was... There was one that joined, uh, that was at one laugh left. I know. Imagine being there that night going, do you know what? I'll listen to them for 10 further years. <laughs> and imagine thinking at the end of those 10 years, I'd like to bring our interaction a little closer. I'd like, I'd like to get to know these people a little bit better. Um, the other thing that we've been doing on the Discord is every time someone new joins, uh, you know, we give them a verified listener number. Then we try and find a game with that number in the title. Which uh, was quite easy for the numbers at the start. Listener number 13, Final Fantasy 13. Listener number 14, Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> but eventually you run out of Final Fantasy. Still, no. you can, you know, we've managed to make it happen. But now we're in 55, 56, 53 um, with some train simulator DLC. Okay. Uh, 54, uh, someone managed to find an indie game with that in the title. Anyway, if you want to join the Discord, the link to that will be in the show notes uh, as well. Please, please join. Come and say hi. We will give you a listener number. We will find a game uh, with that number in the title. That will become 
your game at that point. You can go and review it in the review section of the Discord as well. Or you can drop us a letter in the mailbag section of the Discord, as someone has this week. Shane Powell writes, Dear team, what have been your favourite games released over the pandemic stroke lockdown periods. For me, my standout game has to be Half-Life Alex for a few different reasons. First and foremost, it is a new Half-Life game, which I think we can all agree has been long overdue. And as a nice surprise, it appeared in my games library for free. After some research, I found that this was due to me being a Steam controller early adopter and being gifted all of our game's presence and future pack. I've got one of those codes. Um... The game sticks out for me as it was released just as the pandemic started and I began working from home. I suddenly had an extra two hours a day, no commute, and would play games in my lunch breaks. I spent every morning lunch break and every evening in the game until I completed it. Being a VR game, it was great to put on a headset and block out all of the chaos going on at the time. It was a magnificent showcase of what could be done if a big company put serious effort into a VR title. Even though I was using the Oculus Rift S and not Valve's own posh index headset, the game still looked and felt remarkable. I would certainly consider the game a solid 7 out of 10. Shane Powell. Thank you for that, Shane, uh, in the mailbag section of the Discord. I completely agree. Uh... At the time, I thought it was, uh, you know, if you could strap a VR headset to your face and uh, experience anything anywhere, the irony of of going uh, to such a dystopian, (laughs) terrifying um, location um, was uh, was was a little bit strange, you know, but I was certainly dipping in as well. And uh, I, too, finished Alex and thought it was a brilliant pandemic game. For me, uh, the answer is definitely, well, for the number of hours put in um, would either be Noita, uh, Noita on Steam, the Finnish game, which is a roguelike where every pixel is simulated and is brilliant. I think it's a cross between Exile, uh, the BBC micro game that I absolutely love and gave 10 out of 10 for, for Edge in a retro issue. Uh, and it's crossed between that and Spelunky. It's absolutely phenomenal piece of work. Recent, recently came out of early access. Or Animal Crossing, of course, like so many people, it arrived just at the right time, just as lockdown was creeping in. Animal Crossing gave us all an excuse to, well, throw lots and lots of hours into tending to a fictional island and then go and visit other peoples. Uh, there's also a third title, which I just remembered, Filament, the uh, puzzle game, which I played on Steam. I would assume it's out on other platforms as well. It's a really, really beautifully made narrative puzzle game um, and uh, all centred around wrapping uh, wires around uh, pillars. I found it engrossing and the storyline was just fantastic. Um, Yeah, so those those three games together will always remind me of this sort of 15-month period uh, where I've broadly... Uh, been in this room from where we're doing the radio show. <laughs> uh, seven out of ten for all of them, obviously, but I think I've reviewed them all on the show before. Um, we do have another letter as well, don't we? Uh, which I shall read out as soon as I've opened up my email. Hello, team. Hello, SSG writes Robert Wells. Further to Ed's question about the existence of Sub Mario, even as a child, I wondered if after Super Mario Land and Super Mario World, they might make Super Mario Nation and get into trouble with Jerry Anderson's company. Now we've had 2D Mario and 3D Mario and Paper Mario and Wooly Yoshi. I think I'm ready for Puppet Mario. 
I can imagine a whole set of mechanics about needing to keep the strings clear of overhead hazards and jumping straight out of the level if the puppeteer wants it. Am I the only pup- uh, am I the only pl- person to make that connection? What aesthetic is ripe for being thrust into games that we haven't seen yet? Pip Pip Robert. That's a really, really nice idea. Puppet Mario. I was immediately like, I'm sure I've seen that before, but maybe I haven't. No, there are a couple of games that use puppetry as mechanics. uh, More shadow puppetry rather than traditional Mm. puppetry. But I was thinking uh, this is absolutely the sort of thing that Nintendo will do when they've got some ridiculous tech that they're putting into their their next console mm. uh that you i don't know that you can pull a string from or something but yeah i mean actually this could work very well in vr couldn't it going back to that with the finger tracking that they've recently or the hand tracking that they've introduced into uh oculus quest so i would be bang up for that mm. there are like some really really strong aesthetics i can i you know i can see people well we have seen over the history of video games people mining so there was the phase of claymation um wasn't there and uh stop motion our friend of the show espen is just kick-started that beautiful stop motion uh video game whose name i've unfortunately forgotten i can't remember either i was the backer of it but i have to say i got an email yesterday saying that i'd successfully funded a backpack a backpack i don't need and i don't <laughs> remember kick-starting i'm really annoyed by it, actually <laughs> i don't need one but oh yeah, thanks. For this. Hooray! This has been a success. What? What is it? <laughs> what? what did I? Were you doing a, a sympathy uh, backing thing? No, there? not even that. Not even that. Ah, uh, I'm just googling. Oh, Vocabulantis is the name of Espen's game. There you go. Uh, yeah, which looks fantastic. And um, well, and then and then of course there's Harold Halibut as well, which is. Uh, they released a new trailer for a couple of weeks ago, and that still looks amazing. Absolutely beautiful game as well. So yeah, these games that are driven uh, by fancy, uh, fancy, what would you call it? Fancy visuals, fancy sort of uh, techniques uh, are, yeah, really, really interesting. I can't think. The thing the puppeteer one's really, really strong. Robert, if any of our listeners have other ideas, drop them onto the Discord, or you can email team at onelifeleft.com
You are still listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are a video game radio show, which means we talk about video games and other stuff as well. This is the part of the show where we typically deal with any other business. Do you have any, Simon? Uh, I was going to ask you how Marioki went uh, on Friday. Oh, it was fantastic. As always, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it is, I think, fingers crossed, our second to last of the Marioki lockdowns. It's our 16th, I think. And uh, next one will be lucky number 17. Lucky because if people are lucky, we won't be doing any more after that. Because maybe in June, we'll be able to do Marioki in person again. How's everybody feeling about that? Well, I mean, I think generally people are excited. People really, really want, uh, you know, to get back to yelling at each other in person. Um, the thing that we'll lose, of course, is the ability to bring people who typically wouldn't be able to make our London gigs, uh, the friends that we see uh, whenever we go to different countries, and also people who we just haven't had an opportunity to, you know, see in person uh, doing mariachi before. Uh, we get to bring them in for mariachi lockdown. And we will not lose them uh, whatever happens we'll be doing some kind of low-key streaming of our events on Twitch at least as I said as we were shutting down the stream on Friday for as long as Twitch let us do that um, we'll we'll continue to stream our live events but hopefully as well we'll be able to use the technology that we invented for Mariaki Lockdown we'll be able to use that tech to bring some of our remote uh, viewers remote singers into the venue and let them sing on stage as well uh, we haven't quite worked out how we're going to do that as well but theoretically the tech does support that and also the tech should support allowing our remote listeners to uh, still do their kind of emoji reacting and send emotes onto the stage so that if you are watching from uh, from wherever it is in the world you can still support the singers uh, all this is hypothetical at the moment, and the first thing Sounds I'm going to try and great. do is uh, just actually sing live, so uh, we'll see. But yeah, by the end of the year, we should have integrated the two systems. Blimey. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's a small sliver of positivity that's come out of the pandemic, eh? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, of course, there's always the chance that we'll be shut down two months after we start. So lockdown, I don't think, is going away uh, one way or another. What have you been playing this week, Simon? Well, along with Find the Puncher, um, <laughs> not a huge amount else, actually. I did start uh, near Automata. How, how do you pronounce it? Well, I can't remember what the word I is. would pronounce it near Automata, but... Automata. I did start the first game of that again because everybody was talking about the remastered prequel. Um, I'd forgotten how annoying the opening of that section is because you can't save... Uh, it takes about uh, an hour and a half to do, and you cannot save. Um, but I've, I've got past that. I don't know. I think, um, from what I recall, it's a game that's making a statement about being a game, and so I, I, I guess that's part of its shtick. Mm. Uh, but I'm, but now I've now I've managed to save. I've not gone back to it because I'm like, <laughs> okay, phew. Let's just stop there. Uh, so it's like that. Uh, but actually, um, briefly, I wanted to talk about what I played this afternoon, which was Mario Kart 8. And I played it with my three-year-old daughter. And I wanted to commend Nintendo for creating a game which she had an absolute blast with. You put on the auto-steer, auto-accelerate um, uh, 
modes for her and she's very happy racing around Princess Peach and turning into Bullet Bill now and again and all that sort of stuff whilst I'm able to race as normal and come first. <laughs> uh, she did She did actually come second in one of the races really? as well. So, yeah, and it was brilliant. Yeah, we were having, we were on, having a on, good hold time. Hold on, She came second. Who came first? I did. So were you not tempted seeing her in second place to drop back? She would never remember it. <laughs> whereas, whereas I would. <laughs> when she's a little bit older, we've talked about this. When um, De- when I was playing with Dexter that time, the, the time that he legitimately beat me, um, or, or the or the or the first time that he that he nearly did, and I and I didn't drop back that back. All then, right, you, know? you you need to earn these things. Right, I was going to say yeah, you want great. to work great. for that. Okay, All right. it was great. Yeah, seven out of ten. All right, uh, I played a few things this week. Um, I played a game called uh, Bus Stop in the Fog, which looked like an interesting arty uh, narrative adventure on Steam and was a bit of a waste of time. (laughs) It was very short and nothing really happened in it. 7 out of 10. Uh, I played a game called Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion, which is doing quite well on Steam right now. It is a RPG, a knowing RPG... um, Top down, a little bit Zelda light like, uh, in which you do simple fetch quests for other vegetables. Seems quite short, it's very, very polished. Uh, I got it quite quickly. Dialogue wants to be charming and almost is. 7 out of 10. But the game I want to talk about is. <laughs> is a game that I'm not sure I should be playing um, because I can't decide. It seems like it might be a transparent rip-off of a friend's game. And the friend is uh, Adrian de Jong and the game is Hidden Folk. And the game is called 100 Hidden Cats. Okay. <laughs> and it is the same graphical style. It is, uh, you know, so black and white line drawing hand drawn picture in which you have to find a hundred hidden cats so it scrolls up and down you know I'd guess it's five or six screens high of this um, you know nicely drawn uh, urban uh, picture in which inside the line the line drawing are 100 cats 100 cute little cartoon cats and all you've got to do is click on them and one by one it counts them starts with 100 you get an achievement for each one so if you're an achievement hunter as i imagine Pretty generous many of the people spending 79p on this game are um, you get an achievement for each one and uh, yeah you have to find 100 cats and it's kind of nice and ambiently cute the drawing is nice I, I do feel like I am playing a you know Tesco value version of Adrian's game or little version or other supermarkets are available uh, <laughs> you know one of these games anyway still played it still basically enjoyed doing it because didn't really think I think it was how, how many did you find well this is the thing simon found 90 of them quite quickly found the next eight relatively quickly the next one took me another 15 to 20 minutes and i'm on 99 whoa can't find it i've been 
sat here for about an hour or maybe two hours looking for this one because I can't let it go. And then something struck me. If I wanted someone to keep playing my game that was called 100 Hidden Cats, I'd make the game and I'd put 99 of them in there. (laughs) And so, I thought I'd investigate this further by playing 100 Hidden Mice, in which I found 90 of them quite quickly, Eight of them relatively quickly. One of them took me another 15 minutes, and I'm still looking for the 100th one. Whoa. Spent the last time finding that. I'm sure there are 100. I'm sure mathematically that's basically how it works, that you are going to be locked into this game, and obviously it's going to be easy to find the first ones, and then it is going to be hard to find the very, very last one. But there are another eight or nine of these hundred games, <laughs> and I'm wondering whether I'm going to find go and go for hundred hidden snails next. And if I do, I will report back next week. Seven out of ten. Well, maybe the last cat is in the title of the game. That's what I would say if I was him. I haven't actually checked that. I will let you know if you are exactly as devious as this person. There is actually, uh, I saw um, just before I started the show, I saw on the Steam screenshots page, there's a couple of screenshots of all of these things coloured in, which I guess will show me where the hundredth hidden one is. But whether I'm... I can't stop now, right? Like, there's no No, way of just... So... I, I promise, listeners, I will have found the 100th cat and the 100th mouse by this time next week, and I will also let you know how much additional time I've sunk into this game next week. 7 out of 10. What form? So that's on Steam and it's 79p, is it? Yeah, as I said, there, there was a bundle of them as well. Um, there was, you know, as I said, there's 100 hidden snails and 100 hidden whatever else. I, I think they're all quite nice if i had a slightly older child i think it would be a very very good way uh to capture them for a while i also think that it is not as good a game as hidden folk and so if you want that kind of uh kick you should play hidden folk first and if you want more of it these seem pretty good actually uh yeah good that's the end of the show, Steve, isn't it? I think that's it. I think that is the end of the show. Um, I've enjoyed it again this week, yes. Simon. Thank you so much for your company. That, thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and hang out on the Discord a bit a bit more. Um, I do feel a little bit intimidated uh, because you know it's been a while since I've been active <laughs> like that on the, on a uh, chat platform. Chat platform. Uh, Gary Penn drew my my new avatar. I saw. I thought it was excellent. Um, I, yeah, I was very happy. Yeah, I do think I, I think Discord is a really, really nice platform. I like, and I'm sure, like most of these things, it will get worse and worse uh, over the next few years. As, as, and ultimately, as soon as I arrive, yeah, and ultimately be bought by a big platform who will ruin it wholly, and then we'll have to move somewhere else. But I like the fact that the uh, the engagement level is basically dependent on you. You can have it idling in the background or you can, you know, just sit there for a little while while you try and find cats and mice and, and use it as company, which has been a really, really useful thing during lockdown for me. Good timing to join it now, Simon, as we're getting social right. again. Exactly. Right, so we'll see you there. 
see you all thanks there. Thanks to Resonance. Yeah, thanks, thanks to Resonance. Resonance thanks to you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, goodbye. goodbye. <laughs>